Luke 12. We're going to start in verse uh, 22. This is one of those passages, I mean, you know, we've been through this for, I think, five weeks now, and there's certainly more we could discuss, but this morning we want to talk about an aspect of this passage we haven't, um, we haven't talked about yet, and this goes to a, um, I think everyone will learn something this morning, but there's a specific subset of us that I, I feel like really need uh, this message, and hopefully it'll be encouraging to you this morning. Luke 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. This is the word of the Lord. I want to start out with two um, statements by two very famous people. Um, and what's What's fascinating to me about these statements is, is, um, is that even at the level of fame that they have, that they still have thoughts like this. Uh, the first person is Paul McCartney. In an interview, um, Paul McCartney, arguably um, one of the greatest rock singers of all time, it seems to me, this is Paul McCartney speaking, it seems to me that no matter how, many, how famous you are, no matter how accomplished or how many awards you get, you're always still thinking there's somebody out there who's better than you. I'm often reading a magazine or hearing about somebody's new record, and I think, oh boy, that's going to be better than me. It's a very common thing. Then the interviewer says, but you've had success in so many dimensions, you really feel a competitive insecurity with somebody that's coming out with a record? And Paul McCartney says, unfortunately, yes. I should be able to look up my accolades and go, come on, Paul, that's enough. But there's still this little voice in the back of my head that says, no, 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 you could do better. Second quote, uh, movie star Reese Witherspoon, who has been in tons of movies, she said this, I don't watch any movie I'm in. It's horrifying. I'll just focus on something stupid like, I hate my laugh, or why did I smile? Sometimes I look at myself and I think, you have the goofiest smile on earth. She says when she feels real, wants to feel really bad, she'll do a Google search of herself. Only in very dark moments, moments of pure self-loathing, do I type my name into Google. You never read anything positive. You always go straight to where they say something horrible about you. You're fat, you're ugly, you're tired, you're worthless, you don't have a career anymore. It's just an affirmation of every horrible feeling about yourself. 
Now, those are people at the very top of their game who feel like that. And what I want to talk about this morning, and again, I said, I think some of this applies to all of us, but there's a very specific group of us that I really have in mind. A couple weeks ago, we were talking more, um, <laughs> as I, I talked about, um, God answering our specific concerns when it comes to uh, the worry we may have. And I think in particular, there are those of us that, that, that have a lot of worry, you know, want to plan everything out, and we have trouble trusting. And, and that message was especially for folks like that. This morning, there's a different group. Let me give you the opening statement. And I'll talk about who I'm, I'm focused on this morning. Our struggle with trusting God with money worries. For a lot of us, I think one of the things we think is, why would God pay attention to me? Why would God pay attention to me? So let's go back two weeks um, when I preached that sermon. And you may remember, you know, I gave those four stories about uh, specific answers <laughs> to prayer that God had given on financial issues. And he took care of that need and that need and that need and added up to $74,000 worth of, of different situations. And I feel like for, for most people, as you listen to that, you're like, yes, you know, we serve a God who will answer our prayers. We serve a God who is there for us, who loves us, who, who wants to, to take care of the needs the way this passage talks about. For, for a, another group of people, though, I feel like the, the answer or the thoughts that were going on in your mind would be something like this. Yeah, I mean, you know, God's going to do that for you. It's like you're the preacher. And, and so, you know, he's going he's gonna to take care of things for somebody like you. But why would God do anything for me? Why would God pay attention to me? Why would God be concerned about what's going on in my life? And, and it's not so much a, a statement about God. It's more a statement about that person. There are many of us that when we hear the idea that this passage brings out that God loves us and we don't have to worry and He, and he wants to pour into us and, and take care of those needs, we look at that and we just feel like, I don't understand why God would be interested in me. Because, to go back to those statements that are similar to what Paul McCartney uh, said and, um, and what Reese Witherspoon said, there are a lot of us that look at that and we don't feel like we are anybody that God would be particularly interested. And so what does this statement, what does this passage have to say to those that are struggling with the idea of why God would be willing to pay attention to them, to answer their concerns, and to be there for them? I, there's a lot we could talk about. I want to limit myself to four things this morning um, as we look at this. Believing that you are not forgotten by Him. Believing <laughs> that you are valuable and that God desires to take care of these things in your life. Let's look at this passage. The first thing is this. We have been declared much more valuable because we are His children. We have been declared much more valuable because we are His children. As you look at 24 and then down at 28, there's a phrase there that is, that is worth pondering for a minute when we have thoughts like what I was just sharing a moment ago. Look at 24 with me. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barns, yet God feeds them. And how, here's the three words, much more valuable you are than birds. God says here, Jesus says here, uh, <laughs> that we as human beings, because we have been created in the image of God, that we are much more valuable than the birds. As you go down to 28, He uses the same phrase again. He says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. How much more will He clothe you? We need to understand that we have been declared much more valuable by God because of the nature of who we are. And especially this morning, I think that's true in general of humanity, that as He looks at us because, because we were all created in the image of God, that's true of us. But especially, especially, especially for those of us today that call Him His children, that, that we say we are His children, we are a child of God, we've received Jesus into our lives, we've accepted what He has done for us, and so God is my Heavenly Father and I am His child, that we need to understand, especially in that situation, that we have such value to God. Listen, I love you guys as my congregation. I do. And I will do almost anything for you guys. But I'm going to tell you this. If I have a meeting with you and one of my children calls and needs me, I'm going to cancel on you. Why? Because that's my child. And as much as I love being a pastor, in my rating, pastor's here, but father is here. Because I consider father to be a greater calling than pastor. And so if one of my child is, children are in need, if, if I'm going to reschedule with you because I want to go take care of my child because they are much more valuable to me. Because of the nature of as a father, I want to be there for them. I want to take care of their needs. I want to watch out for them. And as we think about our Heavenly Father, especially for those that, have a, that don't have any sense of self-worth and don't have any sense of, of being particularly valuable, we need to understand that as God the Father looks at us, He looks at us as His children, and He sees us not as... Uh, he sees us as much more valuable. And so we need to embrace that this morning. And, and as we embrace that, we need to understand that it is Jesus here who is telling us that that is the way that we are. We're not making this up on our own. We're not trying to hype ourselves up. But rather, we're looking at this and saying, this is what Jesus has said about who we are. I in God's eyes, and much more valuable than the ravens or than the grass. He has declared that Himself. Lee Strobel tells a, a, a story of a... There was a, a young woman back during the Korean War. There was an affair between a, a soldier and, and, and one of the, the women there in Korea. And there was a child that was born out of that. And this child ended up just in a terrible situation. Um, and, and finally, after just going through all kinds of different... Uh, Struggles. She ended up in, in an orphanage, but not really like in an orphanage as somebody was going to get adopted. More in an orphanage as like somebody was helping the other children. And, and then one day, uh, there was this this couple that came in, and and they were going to adopt, and they had presumably come in. <laughs> the original plan was they were going to come in and adopt one of the little boys that was there. But they came in that day, and 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 this girl who she was still I think she was nine years old at that time didn't weigh much of anything, um, was just kind of off in the corner there because it was her job to kind of help the other children to get ready to maybe be adopted. And and this father came in, this, this couple came in, but it was the father in particular who looked over at her and he said, that's the girl I want. That's my girl. And they ended up adopting her. When God the Father looks at us, he knows the sin that you do. He knows the struggles that you have. He knows the thoughts that go on in your mind. And He loves you anyway. You are much more valuable. Second thing is this. Continuing in this passage, the second thing 
that we are told here is this. He's paying more attention to us because the stakes are higher because we're permanent. The stakes are higher because we're permanent. As you look at this passage in verse 28, it says, to, to read what we just read a moment ago, but to emphasize a different word, or a different phrase, it says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Uh, the grass is here today and tomorrow it's burned away and it, it, it doesn't exist anymore. It, it's not anything that's particularly long-lasting. The, the Scripture teaches us that we are eternal beings. Stop and ponder that for a minute. That's a gobsmacking statement. The Bible teaches us that we will exist for forever. And so therefore, as we are, are eternal beings, because the, 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 the identity of God has been put upon us because we are made in the image of God. As we think about that, um, you know, like there's a big difference between look, if uh, over my house, if I have, um, I know a good example. Let's not go over my house. Up in my office, there is a, a statue. It's about that tall of an eagle. Uh, it's a beautiful wooden um, uh, sculpture of an eagle, and it was given to me. You guys know from Scout Sundays uh, back when I was a teenager. Teenager, I was a an Eagle Scout, and my dad bought me this um, this giant Eagle statue, and I have mine ever since then. I've always had it on my desk wherever I am. Uh, the entire 11 years I've been here, it's been on my desk up there because, um, A, it represents something I'm very proud of having accomplished in my life, but also because my dad gave it to me, and I love my dad. And, and so it's something that has a great deal of, of value to me because it's something I want to keep with me my entire life. On the other hand, <laughs> when you think about, you know, if I go home and eat lunch and then afterwards I eat a little piece of chocolate, I take the wrapper off the piece of chocolate, I'm not going to hold on, oh, this, this piece, this wrapper is so valuable. What am I going to do? I'm going to throw it away. Why? Because it, it's really not of any value. We are less like that. We're like that eagle stat. We have permanent value. And so God desires, as you look at that, He says, the grass of the field is here today and gone tomorrow, but we have been created in the image of God. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest Christian writers of the 20th century, in the book The Weight of Glory, said this. He was talking about the reality of who we really are. Sometimes we look at each other and we're like, oh, you know, we, just, we don't see each other for who we really are. We don't see each other as spiritual beings. And C.S. Lewis um, once wrote this. He goes, Remember that the dullest, the most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature where, which if you saw it today, you would strongly be tempted to worship. All day long, in, to some degree, we are helping each other to become the people that God wants us to be. In light of those overwhelming possibilities, it is with awe that we should look at each other. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. We need to understand that God has declared us permanent. God has declared us eternal. And therefore, God has all the more reason to be concerned about us, to pour into us, to desire to see us grow into Christ's likeness because we are beings that are going to continue. It leads us to the third thing. The third thing is this. This is not an abstract love, but one that takes care of specific needs. This is not an abstract love, but one that takes care of specific needs. As we think about 
this. I want to use this as a moment, and this kind of goes back to two weeks ago. I want to use this as a moment to kind of prove the point that I'm making. It's easy for me to kind of to stand up here today and say, you know, God loves us because we're permanent, and God loves us because we're creating the image of God. And it, it's easy, I think, for that person who, who is over on the side and doesn't have that sense of self-worth and, and has all that doubt within about any value as a person or why would God be concerned about me or why would God pay any attention to me. I do think it's important to go back to the examples that I used a couple weeks ago in the reality that God doesn't just say, no, listen, you need to trust that I love you. I'm not going to prove I love you, but you need to trust that I love you. It's this abstract love that you'll never know for sure, but just kind of trust me that I'm going to be there for you. This is a, a love, as you look at this passage, that is offering to supply specific needs. And to go back to two weeks ago, you know, I shared all those different stories uh, from the from the adoption story to the, the house story <laughs> to the scholarship story. As you add all those up, the reality is we don't have to go through this life just kind of, okay, I, I, I think God loves me. I think he finds me valuable. But this passage has promised us if we go again to that last verse there, uh, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. We can see the proof that God does love us as he opens up doors, as he answers prayers, as he takes care of us as we go through this life, that God is going to prove the prove the reality that he is our father, that he does love us, that he does care for us in order to help us to continue to grow in that faith. You guys know, I've told you this before, you know, one of the examples, one of the greatest examples in my life, and this goes back to something I mentioned two weeks ago. Um, you say, Jim, Jim, how do you know that maybe there's somebody here this morning you don't believe in Jesus Christ? Jim, how do you know that God loves you? How do you know that God is real and that it, that He, you, you, you're arguing that like he, he watches over you, He delights in you? I've told you guys this before, and I can tell you a bunch of other stories, but, you know, when I look back on the fact that we had three boys that we absolutely loved and were so crazy about, and for no other reason than the generosity of God, God opened up a door for us by throwing that money into our lives and opening that door. God opened up the door for us to adopt Jenna for no other reason than His incredible generosity. Why did He do it? Because He's a good Father. And so... I can look back and say, you know, man, God blessed me when I married my wife and God blessed me when we had Evan and when we had Jonathan and we had Ryan. Like that was everything I needed. And then just because he's good, he he gave me Jenna as well. And so I look at all that added up together and I say, I serve as I go forward and look at issues where I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what God's going to do. <laughs> I don't know how the situation is going to turn out. I can trust God because he's not asking me to believe in him in an abstract way. I have seen time and time again where God has proven how much He loves me. And so, and that's not just true for the preacher, that's true for all of us as we go forward and ask Him to take care of these needs. And if you've never done this before, going back to what we talked about two weeks ago, start to ask Him to take care of those needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and ask Him to take care of those things, and He will. And as you see Him, take care of this small need, take care of this bigger need, take care of that small need, take care of this bigger need. Your faith will increase that He is a good and loving God that isn't just concerned about the preacher or the deacons or whoever. God is concerned about all of His children. Now, that leads me to the last thing, and this is the most important thing I want to say this morning, because I think this is the most potent for especially that person who has those thoughts that we talked about earlier. I want to give this, and this is going to take a minute to unpack. 
some words for those struggling with being worthless, with feeling worthless or unworthy. And this is the most important thing is this. I am who He says I am. I am who He says I am. Look at 28. Right at the very end. He says, all 28 says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will He clothe you? This is what we want to end on. You of little faith. What's that mean? There's a lot of ways that we can define faith. And there's a lot of things that, that are in faith here, like including trusting God to, to do what He said He's going to do. One of the things that's really important for those that we're talking about this morning is this, is that we need to believe that we are who God says we are. What, what's that mean? I want to, it's more complicated than this, but let me, let me make a very simple division, alright? There are some of you this morning, um, that within your own minds, what your feelings are telling you is this. You're worthless. You make, you make mistakes all the time. No one likes you. You're a mess. Your mind's a mess. Why would God want to be around you? Why would God want you as a child? You are a disaster. And I don't know why you think anyone thinks different. That's what your feelings are telling That's what your mind is telling you. On the other hand, there's somebody else speaking, and that's Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you are so valuable that I not only have come down here to die for you, but that you're more valuable than the, the ravens. You're more valuable than the grass. God the Father is watching over you. He delights in you. You're His child. He's willing to take care of your practical needs because you are so worthwhile and you are so valuable to Him. Here's the problem. There are some of you here this morning that are believing this voice and not this voice. And when your mind is telling you, when your feelings are telling you, you are worthless. I don't know why anybody wants to be around you. You mess up all the time. You believe it because your feelings are telling you that. And here's a super important truth that we all need to grab onto. Your feelings are not inerrant. Your feelings aren't right all the time. Sometimes your feelings come from, from sources where, you know, it has to do with your doubts and your fears and all that kind of stuff. Your feelings are often lying to you. God never lies to you. And so, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I am worthless, and God says, you are so valuable, I sent my only son to die on a cross so that I can have a relationship with you for forever. One of those voices is wrong, and one of those voices is right. And your feelings are the ones that's wrong, and God is the one that is right. If you listen to, your vo listen to the voice in your head, and, and it says, you will never do anything of any consequence. And God says, I have good works prepared beforehand for you to do in your life. One of those voices is lying to you, and one of those voices is not. One of them is telling you the truth. If your mind is telling you, I don't see why God would ever answer any of your prayers, because you are a worthless piece of trash. 
And God says, ask me, because I'm your Father and I will take care of your needs. One of those voices is lying to you, and one of them is telling you the truth. Listen to me this morning. You are not who your feelings tell you you are. You are who God says you are. You are who God says that you are. And when He says you are the beloved child of the Almighty, you are the beloved child of the Almighty. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning for whoever needed this sermon, and I I don't know who it is. But I pray this morning, Father, that Your truth would seep into their hearts this morning, seep into their minds, and that they would know that they are beloved by You. Father, I thank You that we are so worthwhile that Jesus made these promises to us. <laughs> I thank you that we are so worthwhile that Jesus came to die for us. Help us to live being who you say we are. I pray in Jesus' name.